Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, The Seven Spirits of God. Well, earlier this week, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to teach on a topic that I've never taught on before, and that is the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God. And it's not that I haven't taught on it per se, but I did mention it in passing when I taught the Revelation course in the Bible school that I directed for 10 years. Seven of those 10 years, I taught the book of Revelation, and I would mention the seven spirits of God, which are mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. But the Lord sort of opened my eyes to some things, and I want to share with you some of the things that he showed me that this is not necessarily just some esoteric thing to ponder. We can actually derive from the seven spirits of God things in our life that we can put to practice so that we can become more like him and we can have maximum impact for the gospel in our world. Amen? These seven spirits of God, uh, we're going to try and take a little bit of the mystery out of them and sort of take a more practical look at just exactly what they are. Amen? Y'all up for that? So the title may sound a little weird at first, but as we're going to see, I'm going to read to you, and I mentioned it just a few minutes ago, that this, this phrase, this exact phrase, the seven spirits of God, is found in the book of Revelation chapter 3, 4, and 5. Let's begin with Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, in the New King James Version. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Now if you remember, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation involve letters that were written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And in each of those letters... The Lord Jesus dictated them personally through the Apostle John, who then delivered the letters to the seven churches. A lot of people think that Revelation is only about the future. But actually, in the beginning parts of chapter 1, Jesus tells John, I'm going to give you a vision that has to do with things in the past, things that are present, and things in the future. And one of the things that was present at the time of the Apostle John was the existence of and the state of these seven churches. So Jesus is dictating a letter to the church at Sardis, and it's not good news. <laughs> you know, most of the time in the other churches, he starts out with something good that they're doing, and then he hits them with areas for improvement, not with Sardis. Hits them right between the eyes and says, you know what, guys? You got a reputation that you're a church alive, but you're really dead. Wow, how'd you like Jesus to say that about your church? Praise God, I do not believe that we are not a church alive. We are a church alive, amen? And as many of you Lelanders and other folks that drive from a distance, a church alive is worth the drive, amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, that's a little bit of background. But the point I want to make is this. From chapter 2, we know, if you studied it out, we know that Jesus is the one that's dictating this letter to the seven churches. Amen? And he says, 
basically, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. So we know right off the bat, it is Jesus who possesses the seven spirits of God. So it takes a little bit of the mystery out of it. I'm comfortable if Jesus is involved. Amen. Hallelujah. Then we learn a little bit more in Revelation chapter 4. I want to read verse 1 through 5 in the New King James Version. Again, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So there is that same phrase again. Here in Revelation chapter 4, verse 5, the seven spirits of God are likened to burning lamps. Amen. Lamps of fire burning before the throne of God. So here we get some information about the seven spirits of God, and we can add that to what we already know. First of all, Jesus is the one who possesses the seven spirits of God. And now we learn that the seven spirits of God are like burning lamps. What do burning lamps do? They give us light and illumination. So now we know Jesus possesses the seven spirits of God and those seven spirits of God, part of their function is giving us light and illumination. Amen. So maybe we should learn about the seven spirits of God if we can be enlightened and illuminated. Amen. Let's continue to read in Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 through 7 in the New King James Version. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. So get the picture. The Apostle John is having this fantastic vision. He realizes that this scroll has some prophetic words for the kingdoms of the earth, yet there's no one qualified to break the seals, open the scroll, and speak those words over the nations. And it broke his heart. But in verse 5 it says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. 
Hallelujah. I think that's a good amen moment. Jesus was worthy in this vision to open the seals and read the contents that concerned the future of the nations. Amen. Verse 6. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So there it is again, that same phrase in three chapters back to back. Anytime you see something three times that close together in Scripture, it's the Holy Ghost emphasis on that concept. In other words, I would like you to pay attention to something called the seven spirits of God. Amen. Furthermore, I want you to learn some things about the seven spirits of God. I don't want you to be weirded out by the concept. Amen. Just because it's in the book of Revelation. You know, some Christians, their reading pattern goes like this. They start in Genesis and they go all the way through the Old Testament. Then they'll read all through the New Testament and they'll bump up against Revelation and start over again. Because they're afraid to read Revelation because they don't understand it. But what they don't realize is in the very first part of the book of Revelation, it says, behold, there is a blessing on everyone who reads these words. So I say to you, read it anyway, even if you don't understand everything. Amen. I taught Revelation for seven years. I taught it inside and out, and I still don't understand everything in that book. But I understand a lot more than I did because I didn't shy away from reading the book of Revelation. I'm telling you what, it's not the revelation of the Antichrist, as some people think. It's not the revelation of people's heads getting chopped off. It is the revelation or the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ the King. And if you look at it that way, it's not such a spooky book. Amen? Because you can read the end of the book and find out that we win. Amen. Glory to God. Whoo. The anointing. I feel the anointing on that. Listen, heed my words and read the book and know that victory is yours in the end. You will prevail because of the word of your testimony and the blood of the lamb. That's one of the central parts of the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I didn't mean to go down that path, but I'm glad I did. Hallelujah. So Jesus appears because He's the only one in heaven, on earth, or in hell that is worthy to open those seals and read the contents. And if you read the whole book of Revelation, the first things that happen on the earth are those seven seal judgments. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. But we don't have time to go through that because all I want you to concentrate on this morning is the seven spirits of God and what exactly they are. Amen. Then he, Jesus, verse 7, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Amen. 
Hallelujah. You know, something I point out when I come across verses like this that people need to think about. The Bible says God is a spirit. It says that in John chapter 4. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We said that this morning. And so some people think that because God is a spirit, then he must be like this blob that sits on the throne. He's a spirit. Woo! Like giant Casper the ghost. But I'm here to tell you that spirit beings can have humanoid forms. And God evidently has a right hand because he has a scroll in his right hand. So it follows that he probably has a left hand, a right arm, a left arm, legs, a trunk, a head and a neck, eyes and ears. He looks humanoid even though he is a spirit composed of light. And guess what? If you want to know what the Father looks like, just look at the human form of Jesus, and I guarantee you, He looks just like His Father. Amen. But I digress, but it's a, it's a point of learning. Amen. God is not a blob. He's a spirit being, and He's shaped like a man, only I know from experience, He's much larger than a man. March 20th, 2005, I had an experience where I was praying in tongues. I don't have the time to go into detail, but I got caught up to heaven for a very short few minutes, and I was worshiping the Lord before the throne of God. I was, I was singing in tongues. I was praising God in tongues, and I saw a great white throne, and I saw a humanoid form sitting on that throne. Amen. The only thing I couldn't see, I saw his feet, his shins, his thighs, his trunk, and I got about this far up on his chest, and all I could see from chest high was smoke. The whole room was filled with smoke, but I knew it was the Father God. He had a humanoid form, amen? He wasn't just a blob. All right, I think I made my point, amen. Now, if you remember, as we've read these passages from Revelation, if you remember, John the Apostle was a very old man at the time of these visions. He was exiled on the island of Patmos because he was such a powerful witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tradition has it that they boiled him in oil like three times and they couldn't kill the man. They couldn't kill him. They couldn't shut him up. So the only thing they could do is put him on this desert island so that he could not influence the nations and threaten the Roman Empire. Amen. In this vision, he sees the Father God sitting on his throne, holding a scroll in his right hand, which contains prophetic events that will befall the kingdoms of the earth during a period of time which we call the seven-year tribulation. Amen. Praise God, I believe and I teach, we're out of here before that starts. The rapture first, then the wrath to come, and seven years later, we come back with Jesus and take over the planet, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the only one found worthy to take that scroll, break the seals, and loose the prophetic words contained therein was a lamb that had been slain but was now alive. So I think we know that removes all doubt as to who this person was. He was Jesus Christ the righteous. And notice that he, he had 
seven horns and seven eyes. Now, if you know Bible speak and you know symbology, you know that horns are a sign of or a type of power and authority, kingdom power and authority. So he's got seven horns. Then he has seven eyes. What do eyes do? Eyes see. Seven eyes can see a lot better than two eyes. Amen. And because seven is God's perfect number, I think this tells us that God has the ability to see prophetically perfectly. Jesus, because he possesses the seven spirits of God, he has perfect kingdom authority and power, and he has perfect prophetic vision. And he also, because of the lamps that were mentioned in chapter 4, he has the perfect ability to illuminate the hearts of men. Amen. Does everybody see that? So are we beginning to see a little bit more of what these seven spirits of God are all about? Maybe maybe it's a little bit less spooky and a little bit more down to earth than we thought. Amen. It's just not esoteric. It's actually something that we're going to find out as we progress through this series that can be applied to your life to live a victorious life for him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One more thing we can learn from verse 6 of Revelation chapter 5, and that is this. Notice it says that the seven spirits of God have been sent out into all the earth. Isn't that interesting? And immediately I think of the fact that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead and he ascended to the Father, he sat down on the right hand of the Father, and one of the first things he did is he sent the Holy Ghost to the earth, to all parts of the earth, and he sent gifts unto men. But there's a little bit more to the story. I want you to know that even in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit was active. The only difference was he could not yet be in man. He could only be on man. The Spirit would would come upon someone and they would get the Spirit of wisdom or the Spirit of knowledge or the power of God or the anointing to be who they were called to be. You know, I like to think about it like this. I believe the Holy Ghost was everywhere, even in the Old Covenant, but He could only operate through prophet, priest, and kings, and He could only come upon Because Jesus hadn't paid the price for him to come within. Think about it like this. In the old covenant, the Holy Spirit was limited and he had to work from the outside to influence the inside. But in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is now able to come into the believer so he can influence you from the inside to the outside. It's far superior to what they had. Yet I want you to know Even in old times, these seven spirits of God, in my opinion, were at work to the degree that they could be in men and women on planet Earth in the old covenant. Amen. The spirit would come upon and they would prophesy. The spirit would come upon and they would have the strength of salmon. Salmon. That's a really strong fish. You should try to reel one in. The Spirit would come upon and Samson would have the strength of a thousand men. Okay, But it was upon and not within. Amen. Maybe if it had been within, 
he would have been a little bit wiser and a little bit uh, more discretionary in the women that he hung out with. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Is everybody understand what I'm saying here? The point, this last thing that we can learn from these passages in Revelation is that the seven spirits of God have been sent out into all the earth. What does that tell you? They're designed for the benefit of mankind. They're just not some esoteric concept up there in the throne of God. God wants these seven spirits of God available and in use by every born-again, spirit-filled believer. Amen. So, that begs the question, okay, Brother Scott, I get the point, but what exactly are the seven spirits of God? Amen. I'm going to answer that question, and I love, this is what I love about the Bible. Now, I like commentaries. I'll read them from time to time, but most of the time, I think that commentators are commentators. I don't agree with what they say. That's a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> hey, it reminds me of another thing. This is a science deal. Okay, so, so why are koala bears not technically actually classified as bears? Because they don't meet the koalifications. Okay. All right. Hey. I'll be here every night at 7 p.m. I'm just kidding. All right, so where was I? So we really have come to the point in this teaching where I need to define for you the seven spirits of God. And the place that I'm going is also in the scripture. And the point I was trying to make before I tried to get funny is that I have found that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. Amen. And so my first go-to is, all right, Lord, where else in the word can I find out about this? And this is where he led me. Years ago, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James Version. Some of you may be familiar with this, some may not, but this is the words of Isaiah. Keep in mind that Isaiah prophesied these words 700 years before Jesus came into the world. Starting with verse 1, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Amen. Let me stop right there. Is there any doubt who we're talking about here? No. Jesus is the rod. He came from the stem or the offspring of Jesse. Amen. Which was David. This is talking about Jesus. And it says that out of the roots of Jesus will grow a branch. Who's the branch? You and I are a branch. We are the branches. He's the vine. So this is talking about Jesus. And this is all... Also, actually talking about the branches. What do the branches do? Branches bear fruit. Amen. The only way we can bear fruit is if we're hooked into Jesus and we tap into the seven spirits of God. Amen. Now, listen to what it says in verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We're talking about Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something. If you count these up, starting with the spirit of the Lord, which is upon, and then you add to that wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, 
knowledge in the fear of the Lord, you get a total of seven. The seven spirits of God, or as is probably more comfortable to think about it this way, the seven facets of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men and women. Amen. That's really what's going on here. It is an expression of the multifaceted nature of the ministry of the Holy Ghost in the life of a spirit-filled believer. So now that we know that, we can start looking at practical ways to break this down and put into practice in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something here. It says the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And we know because we had a little bit more information than Isaiah did when he prophesied this. We were able to see, we can look back and see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And we know that in Luke chapter 4, listen to me, hear me out, this is really important. Jesus gets filled with the Holy Ghost in chapter 3. And in chapter 4, he goes and he's tempted in the wilderness. And then later on in the chapter, he says he comes back from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. He comes filled with the Spirit into Galilee. And in verse 18, in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, the first thing he says to these people is, I have been sent by God and the spirit of the Lord is resting on me. He's anointed me to preach. Amen. Amen. So the thing I want you to see is that in the new covenant, in the new Testament, the spirit upon arises from the spirit within. Notice Jesus was filled with the spirit before he announced The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, which was also a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So one thing we know about this first manifestation of the seven spirits of God, I call it the Holy Spirit upon. The Holy Spirit upon is what anoints us to be the person that God called us to be. Amen. It's the grace, if you will, over there in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It talks about that there is given to everyone gifts, but also the grace to operate in those gifts. So I believe the spirit upon is the grace, the empowering grace of God to operate in the gifts and callings that God has placed upon your life. That's the spirit upon. And that's the very first one you come to. Amen. Hallelujah. Does everybody see that? And I did have that scripture up there after Luke 4.18. Yes, Romans 12.6. I said 12.5. It's actually the first part of verse 6. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The thing I want you to see is what we just said. With the gift comes the empowering grace to operate in that gift. And Jesus said as much when he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth and he said, I have been called. The anointing of God is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has empowered me to be who I was called to be by my Father. He was called to be two things to mankind. An example that we could follow. And number two, he was called to be our substitute. Amen? Amen. So there was a special anointing on him to do all those things. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Woo, hallelujah. And here is the scripture that I've been dancing around, but I'm going to go ahead and read it to you because it's right here in front of me now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Amen. Hallelujah. He was basically saying, I am anointed to be your Messiah, the one you've been waiting for. I'm the one you've been waiting for. The very end, it says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says that in the King James, that actually means this is your jubilee. I am your jubilee. Remember, at the end of 50 years, all property was restored. Slaves were let loose. Everything was the way it was when things were good. Amen. And Jesus is saying, I'm not just telling you that Jubilee's coming. I am your Jubilee because I've been anointed to be your Jubilee. That's what I was called to be, and that's what I'm going to be because the Spirit of the Lord rests upon me to do these things for you. Amen. I'm driving home a point. I'm praying that you get it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Believe it or not, most of this was introduction. I just wanted you to get comfortable with the term, the seven spirits of God, and realize that they're not as spooky as they sound. Break it down in a way that you can put it into practice in your life. And so I'm going to wind this down now, let you get this in your spirit, let you meditate on it, and then next week we will talk about the other six manifestations or facets of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, or the seven spirits of God. We just touched on one today, and that is the Holy Spirit upon. Amen? The Holy Spirit comes upon to make you into the person that God called you to be, so you can do the things that God called you to do, and reach the people that God called you to reach. But there are other facets of the Holy Spirit that are in you because Jesus lives in you. And if Jesus possesses the seven spirits of God, guess what? You possess them too. You just need to learn how to tap into these resources and put them into practice in your life. Amen. Amen. I think that's a good place to stop next week. We will continue and we will go through them and take as many weeks as it takes. But we will go through the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of Dr. Forrest's teaching, The Seven Spirits of God. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, 
visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.